Chapter One of The Lady in Blue. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Lady in Blue, a Joseph Mueller story by Augusta Groner, translated by Grace Isabel Colbron. The Cry at Twilight. There was something uncanny about the gray house, as people thereabouts called it. Hiding haughtily behind high brick walls, it turned a forbidding front to the pretty city that came creeping over flower-strewn meadows to encroach on the old mansion's solitude. If one looked through the great gates of ornately wrought iron that gave entrance on two sides to the charming garden with its many flowers, its shrubs, and graceful tree groups, the place seemed cheery enough but houses have personality a personality of their own irrespective of those who dwell therein and this house looked out through its tall windows with an air of affrighted reserve the ivy that clung here and there to the bleak walls drooped discouraged as if it had long since given up trying to beautify and was anxious only to conceal the gruesome quality in the place handsome and well-built though it was was never so apparent as on this stormy evening of late may thought Mrs. Diesler, the old caretaker and housekeeper, as she walked down the garden path to open the gate for the postman. She shivered and drew her shawl closer around her shoulders. "'Nasty evening, ain't it?' remarked the stout letter-carrier as he handed her the mail. "'It is that,' she replied. "'I'm right sorry for you walking about in this wind.' "'I'd rather be walking about than living in such a place on a night like this,' laughed the object of her solicitude. It must have been right lonely when it was first built. It's not so bad now. The city's grown up so close. Still, it's only strangers from outside will hire the place. Don't the young lady mind the loneliness? She's got her maid with her, and she's not the kind to be minding the stories about the house. No, she's right smart and handsome to look at, isn't she? Hush! Here they come. Mrs. Diesler turned to greet the two women who came down the path from the house door, while the letter-carrier lingered for a last look. The tall girl who came on ahead, struggling to keep her big hat with its sweeping plumes on her head, in spite of the wind, would have justified any man lingering to look at her. Her beauty was of that showy, dazzling sort that seems to create a spotlight around itself and to focus all eyes on it. She carried her tall, slender figure with an audacious swing that lent dignity to the ultramodishness of her light blue silk gown and the long black cape that floated like a dark cloud around her on her small head with its blue-black hair massed around a delicate featured face the exaggerated size of her hat melted into harmony as a note in the picture but the hat was giving her considerable trouble just at the moment for the wind seized on it like a child on some desired plaything what a perfect nuisance the beauty grumbled her tone was not pleasant but her voice was she swept on past the old woman with the barest nod in answer to the latter's respectful greeting the maid who followed her mistress was more friendly. "'Don't wait up to let us in,' she said as they passed through the gate. "'I have the keys with me.' The old woman nodded and stood looking after them until a stronger gust than usual sent a shiver down her back and made her hurry to the house. She felt sorry for Tony, the young lady's maid, for the girl had been complaining of a headache, and it was no pleasure to have to go out in such a wind, even to the theatre. "'She'll not enjoy the play much, poor thing,' she thought locking the hall doors before she entered her own cozy room. Mrs. Diesler was alone in the house and believed in being safe. 
Her labors of the day were over, and she settled down with a sigh of satisfaction to her cup of coffee and a newspaper. She permitted herself a dip into its excitements before taking up the mending that lay waiting her hand. Then she heard a step on the path outside, a quick, eager step. She rose, a bit surprised, and went to the window that gave out on the path. It was Tony, the maid, coming rapidly up from the gate. She entered the house just as Mrs. Diesler came out from her room. "'Forgot something!' Tony called back as she ran upstairs, breathless. She came down soon, carrying a long feather boa over one arm. "'I think I've got everything now,' she laughed. "'Don't let me disturb you. I'll just fasten this shoestring, and then I'll lock you safely in again.' "'How's your headache?' asked the housekeeper. "'Not so bad now, thanks.' With a nod, the girl bent to her shoe, and Mrs. Diesler went back to her room. She heard the light step on the path outside, and then the clang of the closing gate. The old woman took up her paper again. It was a paper from Lintz, her late husband's hometown, for which she continued to subscribe with that allegiance to the past that grows stronger in us as age cuts us off from interest or activity in the present. But somehow the local news did not seem as enthralling as usual this evening. The storm outside was growing worse. The treetops writhed in agonized protest as they strove to shield their new young foliage from the clutching fingers of the raw, wet wind. The gentle murmur of the little river that flowed past one side of the house had risen to an angry brawl, and it spat flecks of foam on the grass-bordered path on its banks. Yes, it was a nasty night. Mrs. Diesler dropped the paper and sat upright, swallowing hard and staring into space. She had heard, or thought she had heard, a cry from somewhere in the old house, a short, sharp scream of terror. But she must have been mistaken. She was all alone in the house. Her only tenants, the young lady and her maid, had gone out. She must have been mistaken. She did not hear that scream, or if she did, it must have been something out in the street. For there was no one in the garden, either. The gates were both locked, and Buchner the gardener had gone off on some errand, taking his dog with him. Mrs. Diesler wished he hadn't. That dog, or the gardener himself, would have been a great comfort to her just at that moment. With beating heart and hands that trembled, the old woman sat motionless, waiting, waiting. But there was no second scream, and gradually the uproar in her heart and brain subsided. She began to reason with herself again, more calmly this time. She rose and busied herself about the room, but her feet dragged and her hands were useless, I must have been mistaken, she murmured again and again. Then, with a sudden decision, she went out into the hall, already dim in the growing dusk. She wanted to look about in the house before it was quite dark and assure herself that all was as it should be. She walked with a braggart loudness of step that gave the lie to her true feelings. She took her matches and taper and lit the gas jets as she went along. Her tenant, Miss Elise Lehman, occupied the right wing of the house, which, like many old houses in Europe, consisted of a ground floor with kitchen and servants' quarters, a main story with living and bedrooms, and a mansard attic. Two corridors ran to right and left from the gallery that topped the wide staircase. Four doors opened into each corridor. There were windows at the end of each corridor, but the ivy had grown so thick around them that they gave little light to the halls, even in broad day. Mrs. Diesler lit the hall lamps hastily, looking around with frightened eyes. She tried the doors of the right wing. They were locked, as usual, when Miss Lehman and her maid had gone out. The caretaker breathed, relieved, and turned back to the stairs again. At the top she paused and threw a shy glance at the left-wing corridor. 
Had the cry come from there? Shivering, she remembered half-heard tales of something terrible that had happened there long years ago. She ran down the stairs and back into her own bright, cheerful room. Then she gave another deep breath of relief, for a familiar barking broke through the howling of the wind. That was Pollock's, which meant that Buchner was coming home. The gruff-tempered gardener was no particular pet of Mrs. Diesler's, but she fairly ran down the path to let him in, which greatly surprised the man. "'Why did you come out in this wind?' he asked. "'I got my key. I thought you'd be cold yourself, and it's a bother to look for the key,' she murmured, stooping to pat the dog. She couldn't say more, for she was never very talkative with Buchner, and it wouldn't do to change too suddenly. He had laughed at her timidity before, and she didn't dare mention the cry she had heard, and her thought that it might in some way be connected with the mysterious stories of past happenings in the house. So she said nothing more and went back to her room. But it was some comfort to see the light in Buchner's little hut further down the garden, and once she knew him safely in his house, she opened her own door softly and called in the dog, bidding him lie on the rug in front of the stove. It was nine o'clock when Buchner's lamp went out, and the ladies couldn't be home until half-past ten at the very earliest. Mrs. Diesler sighed and shuddered again at the thought of the terror in that short, sharp cry that still rang in her ears. She had no wish for sleep or even for bed. She would sit up until her tenants returned, although they never expected such service. Ten o'clock came, half-past ten. At last the welcome sound of wheels and hoofs outside as a cab stopped at the gate. Mrs. Diesler caught up her shawl and hurried down the path. "'Why, Mrs. Diesler, did you wait up for us?' exclaimed Tony, who stood by the box, paying the driver. "'Oh, there, I've left my opera glass in the cab. Will you find it for me?' Mrs. Diesler felt about in the dark cab, finding the glass at last. Tony was waiting for her. Miss Lehman had gone on, holding her hat down over her face, and her boa well up around her neck to avoid the raw blasts of the increasing wind. She was already on the stairs before Mrs. Diesler and Tony reached the hall door. "'As long as you are up, would you make me a cup of tea?' asked the girl. "'I'm chilled through.' She shivered as she turned to follow her mistress up the lighted stairs, but she was down again before the tea was ready. "'My, that didn't take long,' said Mrs. Diesler. Tony laughed. "'She's cross tonight. She wouldn't let me undress her.' "'Yes, these rich ladies have their moods,' remarked the old woman as she lifted the singing kettle from the stove. "'Sit right down and take your tea while it's hot. You look as if you needed it.' The girl rubbed her hands. They were white and shaking. "'Yes, I'm frozen stiff. Didn't dress warmly enough, I fancy.' "'And you're right hoarse, too,' said Mrs. Diesler, with a note of real sympathy in her voice. "'I do hope you haven't taken cold.' The pretty, modest-spoken girl had long since won the heart of the old housekeeper, whereas her mistress had not been so fortunate. Miss Lehman had been in the gray house for three weeks, but Mrs. Diesler had not yet made up her mind as to whether she liked the lady or not. She rather thought she did not, when she thought about it at all. But she knew she liked Tony. "'Shan't I fix a cold compress for your throat?' she asked now, in real concern. "'It would be kind of you,' Tony answered, sipping her tea. "'Why, doggy, what are you doing in here?' "'I—I I thought I'd like to have him here tonight.' the housekeeper began slowly. "'Are you afraid of anything?' Tony's voice showed surprise. "'I never noticed that about you before.' Mrs. Diesler hesitated. Of course it wasn't the proper thing to frighten the tenants, not while she was there to protect the owner's interests. Still, the temptation was strong. Tony was always such a good listener, and she listened now with an occasional incredulous shake of the head 
but with no word of scorn while the old woman described her experiences of the evening and then went on to talk about the rumors of bygone happenings stories that concerned the old house and its past then she paused and there was silence in the room what makes you so thoughtful miss tony she asked as the girl did not speak but sat absently patting the dog's head which lay in her lap she looked up as if from a daydream nothing i was just thinking my lady has been so depressed these last days and last night she couldn't sleep and seemed to be frightened about something she woke me and wanted me to sit by her bed but i don't suppose that has anything to do with the house she's been downhearted for some days now what's she got to be downhearted about young and pretty as she is and engaged to a fine gentleman still i guess you're right i saw her crying over a letter in the garden the other day and then she tore it into bits i expect she's got her cares too like the rest of us what's that whispered tony hastily her eyes staring into the corner a cold gust seemed to sweep through the room making the gas jet flame and flicker don't be scared soothed mrs deesler the old stove does that frequently on windy days hear it howling in the chimney and there's an attic window unfastened i've heard it slamming for some time there hear that is it really an attic window why yes what else should it be in this house after what you've been telling me why miss tony you're more scared than i am it's your fault and now i've got to go up there alone i'll go with you but you'll come down again and i'll be alone after all those stories why can't you stay down here that won't do my lady might ring for me and i couldn't hear it here there hear that she's ringing now i wondered why she hadn't wanted me before this tony rose and hurried to the door then she turned why can't you come up and sleep in my room she asked bring your quilt i have everything else you can sleep in my bed and i'll take the sofa will you do that why certainly mrs deesler herself preferred not to be alone that night she puttered about making her preparations for bed tony returned before she was ready carrying a carafe are you ready i'll take up some drinking water the housekeeper let out the dog extinguished the lights and followed the girl upstairs her warm quilt over her arm they chatted for a few moments after going to bed then tony's answers grew fainter until her deep quiet breathing told her companion that the girl had gone to sleep mrs deesler slept lightly as old people often do she woke several times during the night and listened with a gentle envy for the sound sleep of youth to the soft regular breathing from the sofa her stories had not robbed tony of a good night's rest End of chapter one